It, it's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Broadcasting from coast to coast. City to city, coast to coast. It's time for the Ryan Hickey Show on the World Wide Sports Radio Network. If it's happening in sports, it's being talked about right here. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Good Thursday morning. Welcome into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Ryan Hickey here with you. As we roll along for the next two hours, we go till 11 a.m. Eastern. And we appreciate you starting your Thursday as we crawl closer to the weekend with us right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is a kind of a bye week in sports, if you will, right? This week is no NBA games. Coming on the All-Star break, that does resume tonight. Obviously, the NFL season is kind of right now in purgatory between ending the 2021 season and getting ready for the 2022 season. They started the uh, scouting combine. We'll start very shortly, but for the most part, the NFL is pretty quiet. Baseball, as we know, is going on day, what, 89 of their lockout. No real progress yet. I do think by the time the uh, February 20th deadline is imposed for opening day, start on time, I do think we'll have a deal with that is Monday. So fingers crossed this time on Monday, the next time we are on the air, we will have a deal in place and baseball will be scheduled uh, as it normally is. But it's kind of a dead time in sports here towards the end of February. But we still got a loaded show. We still got a lot to talk about. We have a lot of moves in the broadcast booth. ESPN swinging big for their brand new Monday Night Football booth. I'll tell you who that is. And if broadcasters matter, do broadcasters in your mind really make a difference, good or bad? We'll, have, we'll get a discussion on that. Zion Williamson has been in the news a lot the last few weeks for his, as J.J. Redick would say, detachment from the team. Have we already seen the last of Zion Williamson in a Pelicans uniform? My answer is yes. We'll discuss that. Trey Lance, should there be some concern about Trey Lance's development? A lot of prominent people in and around the 49ers organization are kind of telling you yes. I'm here, though, if you're a 49ers fan or just an NFL fan in general that wants to see Trey Lance succeed, why well, it's time to pump the brakes. And I still do think, despite this narrative building for Jimmy Garoppolo, we will see Trey Lance as the starting quarterback. So we got a lot... Again, for a very sleepy Thursday in the end of February, we definitely do have a lot to cover for the next two hours. I would be remiss to say before we get going here that hearts and prayers, obviously, with everyone um, in Ukraine and everyone involved in right now what is going on in this Russian invasion. It is very sad to see. It's very scary to see. And we do hope that a resolution is made swiftly and quickly and that world peace can be brought back, especially in Europe. Is a, if you've been on Twitter, I'm sure you have the last 12 hours or so, you've seen some scary videos, you've seen some scary anecdotes already from those on the ground uh, over the Atlantic Ocean. We do hope at least that a resolution is, is coming soon and we don't escalate this to catastrophic levels. So again, hearts and prayers out to everyone impacted by this and out there in Ukraine. And again, hopefully, hopefully, Things get better way sooner, and Ukraine can still stay in peace and stay um, upright uh, from this invasion from Russia. 
No easy transition, so we will just say that we are coming to you live from the Big Italy Pizzeria Studios. Whether it's great pizza, hot heroes, and phenomenal dinners, make sure you check out BigItalyPizza.com to find a location near you. So I do want to start today's show, at least, with some interesting takeaways I have from Packers General Manager Brian Gutekunst. Yesterday, he was met, he met with the media. Obviously, as we know, there's a lot of storylines with the Green Bay Packers and someone named Aaron Rodgers about whether he's going to stay in Green Bay or whether he's going to leave. Other there was three interesting comments the general manager of the Packers made yesterday. One about Aaron Rodgers, one about Devontae Adams, one about Jordan Love. But let's start with the man of the hour, Aaron Rodgers. Shocker. Brian Gutekunst did not say one way or another whether he expects Aaron Rodgers to stay or go, whether he's going to force Aaron Rodgers to stay or go. We didn't get any clarity, any real timeline of when a decision could be made by the two-time reigning MVP quarterback. But I thought what was interesting is something that Gutekunst said about maybe possibly trading Aaron Rodgers. So if we go back to last year, or really last July, right, when Aaron Rodgers finally decided to report to the Packers in training camp and end the saga, if you will, of whether he was going to stay or go, there were some reports out there of a contract alteration where the Packers shaved off one year of the contract. So instead of him becoming a free agent after the 2023 season, he is now a free agent after the 2022 season. And it was reported that in the discussion, there was an agreement between Rodgers and the GM of the Packers that Aaron Rodgers would play 2021 with the Green Bay Packers. And then after that season, he would reassess, which he's doing right now, his future. And if he wanted a trade, if he requested a trade, the Packers would honor that. That is what we were told last July when Aaron Rodgers did return. Yesterday, Brian Gutekunst poured cold water on that because he basically made it seem like that's not the case. There's no guarantee that he would trade him. Because after his publicly broadcasted press conference, he had a sit-down with you know local beat reporters after that, and he revealed that he and the Packers still do kind of control the fate of Aaron Rodgers. The GM said basically, there was no agreement that we would trade Aaron Rodgers if he asked for a trade. There was no you know gentleman's agreement that Aaron Rodgers, if he decides he wants out, we will trade him and we will trade him to the team he wants to go to. I think this is interesting because I don't believe a word he said. Aaron Rodgers, as we know right now, is trying to make a decision whether he wants to stay or go. If Aaron Rodgers comes to the conclusion that he wants a trade from the Green Bay Packers this offseason, he's getting it. The Packers aren't going to hold him hostage. And the Packers aren't that dumb to play a hardball with Aaron Rodgers. Because guess what? This has already happened to them once before with a different quarterback, and they were on the losing side. I don't think Green Bay wants a Brett Favre 2.0 situation where not only do you lose the quarterback and he goes to another team, Brett Favre right, went to the Jets and the Vikings to finish out his career. Not only do you lose the player, then you also have him walking out the door upset. You upset the fan base and you make a bad situation worse. Right? If, if Aaron Rodgers says, I want to trade, and Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, the, the Packers president, saying, no, we're not trading you. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to say, okay, I'm going to play for you. Aaron Rodgers, from what we know, is someone who beats to his own drum, does not like being told what to do. And I don't think he would take kindly to if he does decide, I went out. I don't think he would take kindly to the Packers saying, sorry, we're not trading. 
I do think if push comes to shove, Aaron Rodgers could retire for a year. Think about it. He's only under contract for one final season. I do think he's petty enough. He is headstrong enough to where if the Packers don't say we're trading you, I think he would sit out for a year, retire, and then come back and force a trade or, or become, you know, become a free agent and go somewhere else. I think one way or another, Aaron Rodgers would get what he wants and be playing on a new team. So I don't think the Packers are dumb enough to, again, have a Brett Favre 2.0 situation happen where you lose the player and you upset the all-time great player slash upset the fan base as well in the process of doing so. I think if Aaron Rodgers forces a trade, he would absolutely get what he wants. Not to mention, if he does retire, by the way, he would love the attention. If Aaron Rodgers truly wants to send a message, he would retire and he would bask in everyone worrying about his next move and always kind of seeing what he's up to. He has kind of become someone who loves the spotlight. And he would get quite the spotlight if he does retire in 2022 and come back as a free agent in 2023. So if he does request a trade, I don't think the Packers would say no. And I do think they would trade him despite the fact that Brian Gutekunst yesterday said there's no agreement between the Packers and their quarterback to trade him if he asks. Well, that was very interesting. Let's move to Devonta Adams. Because Devonta Adams, I'd argue, is one of, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL. And guess what? He wants to be paid like it. Right? Deservingly so, he wants to be the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. The interesting part for the Packers is they have a few different ways to keep Devonta Adams on the field, uh, on the team. He's a free agent, right? They could obviously give a give him a long-term extension, keep him in Green Bay. They also could use the franchise tag. So you have a few different options here for how you want to attack keeping Devonta Adams on the field. Could you allow Devonta Adams to walk? Is there a situation in your mind where you see Devonta Adams not be on the Packers in 2022? You just heard Brian Gutekunst say, yeah, possibly. That's a reality. That absolutely cannot be a reality. You absolutely cannot allow Devonta Adams to walk as a free agent this offseason because guess what? It would do one of two things. Both are really bad for the Packers. Number one, I think it would cost Aaron Rodgers. If Devonta leaves, if he's on another team that isn't the Green Bay Packers next year, I think Aaron Rodgers is as good as gone. We have heard now Aaron Rodgers multiple times through different press conferences throughout the year discuss and kind of hint almost that his future in one aspect, will be determined by where Devonta Adams is. Right? We have heard him, even just this week, when he was on Pat McAfee's show on Tuesday, basically say part of my decision-making is seeing if the Packers are going to franchise tag Devonta Adams. I want to, at least I interpret that as Aaron Rodgers, saying before he commits himself to staying in Green Bay for what will probably be the rest of his career, he wants to ensure that the best receiver in the NFL, the guy he has developed a relationship with, The guy, Aaron Rodgers, who has called the best player he's ever played with. He's played with Charles Woodson. As we know, the Packers have had greats all throughout Aaron Rodgers' time. He called Devonta Adams the greatest player he's ever played with. Rodgers wants to make sure that player is on the team before he commits to his future. So I do think if you are the Packers and you are unable to get a long-term deal done, for whatever reason, you don't franchise tag Devonta Adams and he ends up walking the door and signing with any of the other 31 teams, Aaron Rodgers is a goner. He is not staying in Green Bay. He is not going to be thrown to Alan Lazard or Marquez Valdez-Scantling 
as his number one option. Uh, Adams is gone. Rodgers is gone. So there is that fact right there. Numero uno. Why there is absolutely no excuse, no chance you can allow Devonta Adams to walk this offseason. Number two. It would hurt also Jordan Love. right? Whether it's Aaron Rodgers under center in 2022 or whether it's Jordan Love. It doesn't matter. You need Devontae Adams on your team next year and in years uh, years beyond that because you got to give your quarterback the best possible option to succeed. Right? This offense needs Devontae Adams. You take him out. Sure, you have Aaron Jones, who's a good running back. You have a good offensive line there in place. You have some decent weapons around. But this offense, with how much volume Devontae Adams gets, with how much attention he gets from different defenses, he is an important part of the offense to where outside of Rodgers, he is by far the most important piece for this Green Bay offense. You now, if you are putting a first-time starter in Jordan Love, who's going to try, if he ends up being the starter in 2022, to replace Aaron Rodgers, the two-time reigning MVP. Well, if you want him to have success, if you don't want him to flop, you need the best receiver in the NFL to be out there on your team. So bringing Devontae Adams back, even if Aaron Rodgers decides to go elsewhere, is imperative because that at least gives Jordan Love a chance to succeed. It gives him now a reliable weapon that makes his transition from bench backup role to starter in year number three an easier one than if he's not there and you're kind of you know starting from scratch on the offense, especially starting from scratch in the wide receiver room. So if you're Brian Gutekunst, you heard him say there's a possibility that, uh, that Devonta Adams could leave the Packers this offseason. There should be zero excuse to not get this deal done. Devontae wants to be the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. That means eclipsing right now DeAndre Hopkins' average annual salary of $27.3 million per season. That's number one. That's the bar right now in the NFL for wide receiver salary. And he should absolutely clear it. There's no question in my mind. He is one of the few players where you make a salary demand and I would say, okay. I wouldn't argue. I wouldn't push back. You want to give Devonta Adams 27 $28 million a season? I don't care if he's 29 years old. You do it. He has earned the money. And again, he is too important to, one, keep Aaron Rodgers in town. And two, if, if Rodgers is gone, make Jordan's love, uh, Jordan Love's transition easier to the starting role. So you absolutely, it is imperative for you to keep Adams in Green Bay. Give him the extension. Worst case scenario, franchise tag. He doesn't want to be franchise tagged. You have until March 8th to do so. The Packers have said, you know, you heard Brian Gutekunst, that's the last possible resort. Doesn't matter. You need to do, excuse me, whatever you can to keep the great Packers receiver in town for 2022 and beyond. Speaking of Jordan Love, the last thing I want to bring up here, the last interesting thought I had from this press conference was the future of Jordan Love. If Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, I'm going to assume, I think it's widely assumed, he's going to get a new deal. Right? He's a free agent after this season, after the 2022 season. I don't think he's just going to stay in Green Bay for one year and then call it a quits. I think if he's going to return, it's going to be on a new deal and he's going to end his career in a Packers uniform. That means... Jordan Love's future, in Green Bay at least, is in peril. So, okay, sure, technically, sorry about that, that they're not going to be getting calls right now because everyone's getting ready for the draft, and obviously no one knows the future of Aaron Rodgers. 
So you are more focused on the scouting combine and your draft board right now with, with free agency not even beginning yet. With that said, though, if Aaron Rodgers decides to stay, you better be getting on the horn if you're the Packers GM and calling teams to make a trade for Jordan Love. You can't keep him on the roster. There's no reason to keep him on the roster. What is the benefit, honestly? Someone tell me. Because you now have a, a quarterback that's going into year number three, a former first-round pick going into year number three, who has started so far through the first two seasons of his career, just one game because Aaron Rodgers got COVID. Now, with the way quarterback contracts work, right after year three, you have the option to pick up a fifth-year option or not. For the quarterback position, it's going to be a hefty price. The fifth-year option for Jordan Love is not going to be cheap. So now you have to decide whether to exercise that or not after year three. If Aaron Rodgers is back in 2022 again, Jordan Love ain't playing, and Aaron Rodgers is on a, a, an extension. So Jordan Love's not going to play in year three. He's probably not going to play in year four. He probably won't even play in year five. So you, if you're the Packers, you're not going to hold on to a quarterback for five years, waste the entire benefit of drafting a quarterback in the first round, which is cheap labor, and you hope that you can construct a team good enough around him to where you can have postseason success early in that contract to where, again, the quarterback is still cheap. You don't have to pay him $40 million a season. So you're going to waste the entire benefit of drafting a quarterback in the first round. And then what? After five years, if Aaron Rodgers retires, give him a new deal? How the hell are you going to pay him? Not to mention, every single year you hold on to Jordan Love, his trade value plummets. Right? If you keep Aaron Rodgers, you're going all in for a Super Bowl. You're not worried about two or three years from now. You're worried about right now, the next year or two, can we get over the hump and win the big game? So trading Jordan Love right now Heading into year three, you will get value back. Whether it's a second-round pick, whether it's maybe a first-round pick if a team is desperate enough, whether it's a player, you can get some sort of asset that you can either flip to help your team get better or you can use to draft you know, more talent on your roster and, again, put Green Bay in a better situation to have success in the postseason. So there's no excuse. There's no rationale. To not trade Jordan Love if you decide, or if Aaron Rodgers decides, I should say, to return to the Packers and there's a new deal. So Brian Gutekunst, I get right now, can say, I'm not worried about Jordan Love calls. You know, I, I don't think I will answer the phone if anyone's calling about Jordan Love right now. It's easier to say that. He probably has to say that because he doesn't know the future of his quarterback. You're not going to say, yeah, we're going to trade Jordan Love. And then all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers is out of here. And now it's, oh, actually, Jordan, just kidding. It's your time. But he's can't be playing around here. The minute Aaron Rodgers says, I'm back, the minute that brand new contract extension is signed, you got to be on the horn, making deals, engaging offers for what Jordan Love can get back in a trade. So those are the three biggest takeaways I've had from Brian Gutekunst's press conference yesterday. He has said, even though reports say Aaron Rodgers, he asked for a trade, the, the, the Packers would acquiesce. He says, not so fast. No agreement was ever made. I don't believe him. If Aaron Rodgers wants a trade, it's in the Packers' best interest to trade him. You're going to lose the player anyway. You don't want to also have him kicking and screaming on the way out and upset the fan base and not having only them lose their all-time great franchise quarterback, but also now have him upset and be mad at the franchise. There is a possibility, Brian Gutekunst said, of Devontae Adams leaving a free agency. That absolutely cannot happen. You need to keep the best wide receiver in your building no matter what, whether it's franchise tag, whether it's contract extension, you got to keep Devontae with you in Green Bay. There's no excuse to let him go. 
sign with any of the 31 other teams. And Brian Gutekunst said he hasn't even thought about trade offers yet for Jordan Love. He hasn't even picked up the phone or heard any calls. He won't listen to any calls. You could say that now. The minute Aaron Rodgers says, I'm back, the second later you should be calling for Jordan Love deals. You absolutely cannot hold on to Jordan Love into 2022 if Rodgers is back. So I'm curious your thoughts here. What is your biggest takeaway? Is there any hints in your mind of a Aaron Rodgers return? We'll discuss that and circle back to a little bit later on. But when we return here on the Ryan Hickey Show, Troy Aikman is making a big move. We thought it was to Amazon. Right? He is a free agent and can opt out of his contract at Fox. We thought he was going to go to Amazon, team up with, with Al Michaels. Instead, he is going somewhere else. We'll tell you where Troy Aikman could end up calling games next year. And do broadcasters matter? We'll get into that discussion when we return. You listen to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show. We are boarding the crazy train here. Packers fan especially. You've been on the train for basically what, the last year now? Deciding is Aaron, or, or trying to figure out is Aaron Rodgers coming back? Is he staying? Once he decided for 2021, he's going to return. Now he's going to stay for 2022 and beyond. We just, you know, got... Not really too many hints from either Brian Gutekunst when he spoke to the media yesterday or Aaron Rodgers when he spoke to Pat McAfee on Tuesday of a decision one way or another where Aaron Rodgers is leaning. We do at least have thinking about or at least have some maybe clarity on it when a decision could return or could happen. Uh, Dan Rossini, great ESPN reporter, duh, just tweeted about a half hour or so ago, Aaron Rodgers will be informing the Packers of his decision soon. Pro League sources, I'm told there are multiple teams with offers on the table, but of course nothing can happen until the Green Bay Packers allow a trade. So like we said, Brian Gutekunst yesterday said there's no agreement between him and Aaron Rodgers that he would trade Rodgers if Rodgers decides he would like a trade and does not want to return to the Packers. I don't believe it. I do think the Packers would acquiesce. Maybe they wouldn't exactly run down and be joyful of making a few calls or listening to a few offers for the two-time reigning MVP quarterback. But I do, though, in the end, think if Rodgers decides to leave Green Bay, the Packers would trade. As Diana just said, there are multiple teams with offers on the table for Rodgers. The big, you know, big uh, sticking point now is when is Aaron Rodgers going to decide and what is he going to decide? According to Diana Rossini, we should get a decision soon. Still vague, right? Because Aaron Rodgers said he wants to make a decision early on in the offseason. Again, the, the franchise tag um, uh, deadline to apply is March 8th. Important for the Packers because, again, Devontae Adams can be franchise tagged. So if there's no long-term um, contract extension agreed upon between the wide receiver and the team, you would think by March 8th the Packers would extend that franchise tag and at least guarantee Devontae is in Green Bay for 2022. And I do think that has an important um, factor for Aaron Rodgers, whether he wants to stay or go. So something to watch there. Hopefully this saga will finally come to an end in one way or another. We will truly now know the future for Aaron Rodgers, not just in 2022, but beyond. If he stays, I think he's staying for the rest of his career. 
if he's traded or asked for a trade, obviously we know he's not, he won't be in Green Bay. And the long questions that we have asked for really the past year can finally be answered. So we'll circle back. We'll keep you up to date on everything Aaron Rodgers related. If we have any breaking news between now and 11 o'clock Eastern, we, of course, will keep you updated. We did, though, speaking of breaking news, receive some last night. It has nothing to do with any players on the field. No Aaron Rodgers news, no Russell Wilson news, but instead we had some broadcast booth news. Andrew Marshan, tremendous media reporter for the New York Post, reported yesterday, broke the story, that Fox's Troy Aikman is bolting the network. We thought if he was going to leave, okay, he's going to go to Amazon. He's going to team up with Al Michaels to do Thursday Night Football. Not so fast. He is now going to ESPN to be their Monday night football color analyst and Marshawn reporting the deal five years could be bare minimum Tony Romo money of $17.5 million, maybe even exceed that, get to $18, $19 million range. So let me ask you this. How important are broadcasters calling the game to you? Like how much does it actually impact the game? Because I will say this. I never tune in for the broadcasters. I only tune in for the games, right? whether it is a, a Colts game uh, that I'm a fan of, whether it's a national game on Thursday, Sunday, or Monday night, I'm watching the game regardless. Obviously, working in sports, I have an obligation to watch the game and talk about it and give my you know opinions and, and be up to date when I'm talking to you guys. So maybe my perspective is a little different than yours, but I will say I've never once in my life, even when I was younger, as a kid in high school and college when I wasn't you know pursuing a career in sports, I still wasn't tuning in because, oh, Troy Aikman's calling this game. So even though it is Jaguars and Lions, I'm watching this game because Troy Aikman's on the call. Or, oh, I hate this broadcaster, but it's a Super Bowl. I'm not going to watch it because I hate this guy and his color commentary. That's just not the case, at least for me. I don't really put a lot of stock into broadcasters. To me, it doesn't really matter who is calling the game. Monday Night Football, for example, I'm going to watch no matter what. No matter if it's Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, or Lewis Riddick, whether it is Sean McDonough and Jason Witten, whether it's Joe Tessitore, Booger, or Jason Witten, I am watching the game. Because those were just disasters of a booth recently. But I will say this. I do think broadcasters that are good, that are great, enhance the game. Make it more enjoyable. So from that aspect, while I'll never watch a game because Troy Aikman is calling it, I do think now Monday Night Football can become more enjoyable, can become a little bit you know, more exciting, and gives you a, a reason to stick around a little bit longer than maybe previous broadcasters. So that's why I'm happy to see ESPN going now all in on their, on their product, making sure you get the best possible broadcasters to call your games because it does make the game that much more enjoyable and it is beneficial to fans everywhere. Like I do think broadcasters matter. Even though I'm just kind of saying in one breath here, I'm not watching a game because of the broadcasters, which is true. I also do think, though, it matters to have people that are competent, that are that are good at their jobs. Because I will say this. There's a lot of negativity and there's a lot of bad things you could say about our society and kind of how people are more selfishly motivated, we'll say. right. There's a lot of different reasons in life, different aspects that you could say society is not what it was back in the day in a negative term. But I will say this. I think one of the things overall everyone 
kind of has in common that's a good thing is that we are all trying to become smarter. Right? I think we're all trying to learn more. We all want to be well-informed. And for the most part, we all kind of want to know what we're talking about. And I do think one of the ways we become smarter football fans overall is getting good commentary, getting good analysis from the guys that are calling the game. Because now, as you know, right, we have more information than ever. That is one of the good things about social media. That is one of the good things about the internet. Everything is at the touch of a button or, you know, the click of a button, if you will. So now we are, are you know, more in tune with what defenses are doing. We now know quarterbacks what to expect when there's a blitz. Okay, you got to do this. Or we now know these players are, are good at certain routes or certain concepts. Why aren't they running this more? Or why aren't, you know, other teams stopping it? We have become, especially sports fans, I think overall a smarter genre of people. And part of that, again, is getting good analysis, getting good insight from the guys calling the game that can open up our eyes to maybe different aspects of a game or, or a play even that me, we normally maybe wouldn't know. Right? We can look at a throw and say, oh man, that's a terrible throw. But a good broadcaster can show us, hey, actually, this is a good throw. It's on the wide receiver because he's got to be here. You know, He is here. He's got to be here. So the quarterback did what he was supposed to do, and that's on the receiver, or vice versa. The receiver maybe looks bad. Oh, man, he should have been there. And you can make the argument, actually, the quarterback made the wrong throw or had the wrong read. Now, we are getting smarter, and part of that is having good broadcasters show us, basically, this is what is good, this is what is bad. And for ESPN, they have always kind of been now, since John Gruden left the booth to go take the Raiders job, kind of been lacking and kind of struggling to find that footing to where you can really kind of show what is good, what is bad. We are smart to know when analysts don't know what they're talking about or that they have the wrong opinion. So I do think now ESPN kind of going all in, if you will, to beef up their product is a good thing for them. And it's a good thing for us. But I'll say this too. Again, broadcasters truly earn their money. Not in big games, not just, you know, on a play-to-play -play situation. They really earn their money when games are blots. When there's just a crappy game on Monday night for ESPN, especially since this is, you know, they're the ones making the hire here, they make the broadcasters make the money when there's a crappy game on. You still give need to give a reason for people to tune in and stay tuned in. Like for me, that's why I love the Manning cast so much. There were some Monday night games that were stinkers, whether they were just total blowouts in the second half or whether just the matchup didn't really pan out the way we thought in the preseason. You know, in one team is injury prone, one team is having a down year, and what looked good on paper in week two. All of a sudden, it's week 15. It's like, ugh, this game kind of stinks. Why did I tune in? But I really thought, and I really liked the Manning cast, in part because I thought Peyton and Eli, whether it's their own commentary, whether it's their own jokes, or whether it's the guests they brought on, gave me, at least, a reason to continue watching. Gave me a reason to tune in. Even if it's 35-7, to 7, I'm still tuning in in the fourth quarter because, you know what? I want to hear Peyton S. say. I want to see what Eli, what kind of joke he's making or what guests they have on. And guess what? When you keep people engaged, when people are watching longer than they normally would, that is great for ESPN, that's great for the broadcasters, and that's great for their, more importantly, their advertisers. Do you know what ESPN is paying per season to broadcast Monday Night Football? Right, CBS has obviously a ton of games. Fox has a ton of games. ESPN has, what, 19 games? 20 games they broadcast this year. They paid the NFL two. 0.6 billion dollars 
not for a package, not for a five-year contract, just for the 2021 season. $2.6 billion to broadcast 20 games in 2021. Or 21 games if you include the playoff. Think about that. 2.6 bill. So guess what? If you're going to pay all that money to broadcast and have the rights for Monday Night Football, you better then give people a reason to tune in if the game stinks. Right? You're not going to go buy an expensive sports car. You're not going to go buy a Lamborghini or a Porsche and then go cheap at the gas. Go cheap on the tires. Ah, you know, don't just we don't have to worry about the gas. You know, just get the cheapest thing possible. Ah, the tires don't really matter too much. Let's just get the cheapest ones and get out of here. No, if you're gonna get an expensive car, you are going to then make sure you you put the proper money and investments into making sure the, the making sure the car runs perfectly and making sure that nothing breaks down. So if you're in the end of, or if you're ESPN, you're paying two point six billion dollars. You better also make sure you have broadcasters that aren't giving you a reason to tune tune out the game, aren't giving you a reason to have negative feedback. Where let's be honest, you look on Twitter the last few years, not a lot of fans of Brian Greasy, not a lot of fans of Steve Levy, definitely not a lot of fans of Jason Witten and Brooklyn McFarland. You got to give people a reason to tune in. So I do think that it's very important that they now ESPN not only shell out a uh, shell out a lot of money to get the NFL rights, but also now have a broadcast booth that doesn't turn people off. I think Troy Aikman, having him come from Fox to ESPN does exactly that. Now, the big question is who is going to be his play-by-play broadcaster? I got a name for you. I don't think it's going to be Joe Buck. I don't think it's going to be Al Michaels. I think it's going to be Chris Fowler, their their lead college football broadcaster. And Chris Fowler is a a great play-by-play announcer. He's already done a few NFL games. He did the doubleheader this year. He's uh, Him and Kirk Herbstreit did a Monday night doubleheader uh, last season as well. So he's called a few NFL games within the last few years. I think he is, in terms of a play-by-play announcer, not only does he just call the game, get the numbers right, get the yardage correctly, I think he also sets up Kirk Herbstreit perfectly for analysis on this play or, or this player. And that's kind of also, too, an important role of the job is can you put the ball on the tee for your analyst to knock it out of the park? I think Chris Fowler does a tremendous job of doing so. So I think him and Troy Aikman would be a tremendous partnership together for Monday Night Football. And the last thing I want to say here, because now with Troy Aikman leaving, Fox is open, Amazon is open for Thursday Night Football. Who is going to replace him? Two names to watch at Fox. I think internally, Greg Olson is going to be the guy. I think Greg Olson is the next uh, Tony Romo. Greg Olson, former player, same like with Tony Romo. When Tony Romo went to the booth, it wasn't like he was this well-hyped guy. He went right in with Jim Nance, the the number one team I get. But we didn't really know what to expect from Tony Romo. We didn't really have, you know, a a good idea of what he was going to be. It's not like if it was Sean Payton. Where Sean Payton goes to the booth, it's like, wow, Sean Payton is calling these games. Tony Romo, sure, former player, former Cowboys quarterback, wasn't exactly like, wow, Tony Romo is calling this game. Then we heard him become a broadcaster. We heard him now start predicting plays and say, oh, look, they're in this formation. This run is coming. Then boom, the run would happen. Anyway, Tony Romo got instantly famous for calling plays and predicting plays correctly. And that is what led him to getting that fat broadcasting contract of you know $18 million a season. And Greg Olson could be the same way, where if it's announced Greg Olson is replacing Troy Aikman, I don't think there's a lot of this wow factor. Wow, Greg Olson's calling this game. But he is 
tremendous. Him and Kevin Barkhart were a great team this year. Craig Olson is still, you know, in the, you know, recently removed from the league to where he knows a lot of the players. He can give personal anecdotes about going up against certain guys or going up against certain head coaches or defensive coordinators. He explains things and explains things in an easy, digestible way. He's smart, but also can explain it in a way that is not kind of talking over our heads, if you will, because you can give a lot of different terminology if you're a football guy and know what, it, know what it means, but for a regular casual fan, have no clue what the hell he's talking about and kind of be lost. I think Greg Olson does a great job of explaining the intricate in a way that's easy for us to digest that don't you know aren't in meetings every single day like these former players are. So I would go with Greg Olson if I was Fox to replace Troy Aikman. A name, though, to watch, Drew Brees. Studio analyst at NBC, Chris Collinsworth is going nowhere, whether it's age-wise, whether it's contract-wise, Chris Collinsworth is going to be there for NBC. So Drew Brees, if he wants to be a game analyst, is going to be sitting at the desk for a while. He's going to be sitting in the pre- and post-game studio for a very long time waiting for Chris Collinsworth to leave. So if you are Drew Brees, if Fox comes calling, you're going to have to ask you know NBC to let you out. But I do think there's an opportunity for you to become a game analyst if that is your goal. So keep on the, keep an eye on those two names. I don't think Sean Payton would be a, a very good addition. Number one, I'm not sold he's going to be a great color commentator. Like He's a good interview. He has some personality for a head coach. I'm not sure if it totally translates to the broadcast booth. I'm not sold he's going to be a great color commentator. Not to mention, how long is he going to be broadcasting for? A year or two? Like, I think almost everyone is resigned to the fact that he's going back to the field to coach again, whether it's in 2023 for the Cowboys or whether it's for someone else. One or two years max, we think. So if you're kind of Fox, are you going to just go with another placeholder? Sure, it's a big name in Sean Payton. We have no clue how good he's going to be. And there's no guarantee he's going to be there for the long haul. So I don't think Sean Payton would be a viable option for Fox. I don't think Sean McVay is a realistic option. I think he's going to step away for family reasons eventually as a head coach. I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me in the next five years. I would absolutely, actually, at this point, be surprised if in five years Sean McVay is still coaching. I believe when he says he wants to step away for family reasons to start a family at some point from coaching because it's just you can't do both. It's extremely hard to be a family man, be a dad, and also be an NFL head coach that's successful. But with that said, I don't think he's motivated by money. I think he's an NFL lifer to where he's already made enough money that $20 million a year in the broadcast booth, I don't think, would lure him from coaching right now. So Sean McVay is a name that's been floated out there. NBC, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Amazon and Fox pursuing him. I don't think they'll be able to pry him from the Rams just yet, especially come off the Super Bowl. I think he'll stay with Matt Stafford for the next few years and then retire later on. I don't think money is enough for him to step away. So Fox, I would go with Greg Olson. Amazon, I think it's going to be Drew Brees. Al Michaels is going to be the most likely the play-by-play announcer. Drew Brees, I think, is going to be the analyst besides him next year on Thursday night. So Troy Aikman is going to Monday Night Football. My question to you is, how important are broadcasters to the game? Do you tune in for who's calling the game? Do you tune out, more, most importantly, for who's calling the game? Or for you, you're watching the game no matter who's playing or, or, or who's calling the game because you want to watch the teams on the field. So I'm curious your thoughts here, whether it's on Facebook, Worldwide Sports or Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. How important are broadcasters calling the game? 
Who should be the play-by-play announcer with Troy Aikman at ESPN? And who should replace Troy Aikman at Fox and be paired with Joe Buck? Get your thoughts on, on the broadcast booth hysteria that has now you know, started to swarm here. We may not have quarterback movement, but we are getting a lot of broadcasting movement for sure. So we'll get your thoughts on that when we return. There's one team in the NFL, I think, that has the hardest decision to make in terms of what direction they are going at the quarterback position. I'll tell you who that one team is and why the decision is so hard. When we do return your listening to the Ryan Key Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back in. Ryan Hickey here with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Ten minutes from now. Is Zion Williamson done in New Orleans? Have we seen him play his last game as a Pelican? We'll discuss that in 10 minutes or so from now. But I do want to hit on the NFL. And I want to talk about the team that has the hardest decision to make at quarterback this offseason. For me, that's the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They, by far, had the most difficult quarterback decision to make this offseason because there are so many different directions they can go. And it's not only options-wise I'm talking about. It is actually like team outcome decisions to make. Could you go? You could either be a Super Bowl contender with the Bucks. You also could be picking the top ten of the 2023 draft. Both, you know, kind of dramatic sides of the spectrum are on the table for Tampa Bay. Like if you look around the NFL, obviously the Commanders need a quarterback. Obviously the Broncos need a quarterback. It's easy for them because they are going to swing big and they're going to try to get Aaron Rodgers, get Russell Wilson, get someone in there that could lead them to the playoffs. It's obvious because the direction they have, or the direction they have to go in a quarterback is to get someone that can lead them to the playoffs. So you're swinging big if you're those teams. If you're the Steelers, you may not have the option to get Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. So for you, your quarterback decision is a little e- easier We'll say because there's only, again, a certain amount of guys you can go for, and they kind of all lead you in one kind of direction for the season. There's no quarterback, there's no team, I should say, with the decision that their season dramatically hangs in the balance more than the Buccaneers. Because you get a big-time quarterback in Tampa Bay, you are right back in the Super Bowl conversation. You can be back in the second Super Bowl in three years. If you can't land that quarterback, you go with a free agent. You're talking about a top 10 pick. You're talking about a mass exodus in Tampa Bay. And you're talking about a staff change that could be dramatic from where they are right now to where it could end up being. That variance, for me, is what makes this decision extremely hard for GM Jason Light and head coach Bruce Arians to decide what direction they want to head into. Because let's look at this. Let's look at it from the positive direction. The Buccaneers absolutely could win the Super Bowl next year. If you get Tom Brady, if he decides to unretire, right, and comes back, this is a guy who last year led the NFL in passing yards, passing touchdowns, attempts, and completions. He was still playing at the top of his game despite being 44 years old. So it's not crazy to say, okay, maybe there's a little bit less in 2022 than 2021, but he's still been playing at a very high level. So if you bring Tom Brady back, I think you'd bring a lot of the band back. And now you look at the NFC that's open, 
Sure, the Rams are a massive threat, and so are the Packers, but other than that, in a wide-open NFC, you bring Tom Brady back, you are absolutely right there in um, in the conversation with the Rams and the Packers as the teams to beat in the NFC. But if they can't land Tom Brady, if Tom Brady doesn't come out of retirement, let's say, you, though, if you're a Tampa, could still land a massive quarterback because you are an attractive destination. Ian Rappaport and, and Tom Palacero, both of NFL Network, have reported the Buccaneers have done extensive homework on Deshaun Watson. They've also said Tampa Bay is extremely interested in swinging a trade for Russell Wilson. If you can get Russ to town, if you can do a trade for Deshaun Watson and get him to town, guess what? You are still in Super Bowl contention. And if you get one of those big three, Brady, Watson, Wilson, not only are the Buccaneers Super Bowl contenders again, I think now with all the free agents and all the question marks the Buccaneers have, you are bringing most of the band back together. Like, look at a lot of the key free agents Tampa has this year. Chris Godwin, free agent. JPP, defensive line free agent. Your center and Ryan Jensen does a good job to anchor that offensive line. Both your running backs and Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Gronk and OJ Howard, two of your best tight ends on the roster, also free agents. You have a lot of, obviously, key pieces here for Tampa that are free agents that could decide to stay or go. If you have a big-time quarterback, one of those three I just listed, a lot of those guys are re-signing, and you are still keeping the core that won the Super Bowl last year and made the playoffs this year back together. So you are whoop, right back in the quarterback conversation, not to man- or Super Bowl conversation, not to mention, I think one of those three guys helps keep Bruce Arians as head coach longer. Right? As we know, Bruce Arians already retired once from, from the Cardinals. He has flirted with the idea of walking away since. I personally thought once Tom Brady retired, Bruce Arians would also call it a career and retire. So far, as we know, he's not done that. But I'm still, even though it's February 24th, even though we are starting to kind of get ready for the 2022 season, I'm not sold Bruce Arians is going to be on the sideline in 2022. I still think there's a chance he retires. Now, I will say, if your quarterback in Tampa Bay is Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, I guarantee, is coming back. He is absolutely coming back. So if you get an elite quarterback in Tampa, you are now also keeping your head or your coaching staff together as well as a team on the field. So you absolutely can be a Super Bowl contender in Tampa next season. On the flip side, though, if Russell Wilson doesn't get traded, if Deshaun Watson either doesn't get traded to Tampa Bay or can't be traded legally, and Tom Brady doesn't unretire, you get a mediocre, uh, mediocre quarterback, you get an average quarterback in Tampa Bay, you are looking at the prospect of drafting in the top 10 in the 2023 draft. I think a rebuild in Tampa would be triggered if you can't get Watson, Wilson, or Brady to come back. Like, what are you going to be hitching your wagons to next year? Kyle Trask right now is the only quarterback on the roster for Tampa Bay. Is Kyle Trask giving you a lot of hope, a lot of excitement? No. Hell, you have Bruce Aarons right now with the future possibly looking so bleak, trying to talk himself into Blaine Gabbert, who is 13-35 in his career as a starting quarterback. You had Bruce Aarons earlier this week talking glowingly about how, you know, Blaine Gabbert's had a tough time of it. A lot of different offensive coordinators, a lot of different head coaches. He wasn't put in a position to succeed. He believes Blaine Gabbert, if he is the quarterback, can succeed. 
I'll tell you this right now. If Blaine Gabbert is the quarterback in Tampa Bay next year, that team is going to stink. You're going to have a top five pick in the draft next year. So Kyle Trask, Blaine Gabbert, Jameis Winston, is he getting you excited? Andy Dalton, Teddy Bridgewater, Jimmy G even with the very high price tag that I think he'll get traded for. Even taking a quarterback in the draft in a, in a weaker draft class. None of those guys are giving you a reason to be happy. None of those guys are giving you a reason for excitement. And I think if any of those quarterbacks I just listed are starting for Tampa Bay, this team is dead in the water and this team is a top 10 pick in the draft. They are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Because not only are you going to have bad quarterback play, I think you'll have a mass exit in free agency. I just listed all the, the free agents that are key for the, the Buccaneers uh, this year. Are any of those guys, is Gronk coming back to play with Kyle Trask? Is Leonard Fournette coming back to play with Jameis Winston for a year? No. Uh, Chris Godwin, is he going to be coming back to catch balls from Andy Dalton? A lot of those guys would leave. And again, I could envision Bruce Arians, if those guys, one of those guys are his quarterback, I can envision him retiring and handing the keys over to Byron Leftwich. So I do think here, you don't get Watson, you don't get Wilson, you don't get Tom Brady. You're going to see a massive reset in Tampa Bay to where it's going to be a rebuild. And that, to me, is why the Buccaneers have the hardest decision of any team in the NFL when it comes to the direction of the quarterback they're going to go in this offseason. No team has the variance of Super Bowl contender, top 10 pick in the draft. Some teams are going to be really bad. Some teams are going to be really good no matter who's their quarterback. The Buccaneers are going to fluctuate. And that's why it makes their decision of what direction to go in very, very, very difficult. No other team can go, can they say they can either be a Super Bowl contender or in contention for a top 10 pick this season. Buccaneers, toughest to make the quarterback decision. So I'm curious your thoughts here. Which team in your mind is a team that has the hardest decision to make at quarterback? Is it the Steelers? Is it the Eagles where they should trade for quarterback, draft a quarterback, run Jalen Hurts back? Which quarter? Uh, which team in your mind has the toughest quarterback decision to make this offseason? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Twitter, tweet me at Ryan Hickey Show, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter, nice and easy, or WWSRN underscore radio. We're also on Facebook if you want to comment there, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. When we return, Zion Williamson has played a grand total of zero games in the 2021-2022 season for the Pelicans. Have we already seen him play his final game as a Pelican? We will discuss that when we return this into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back Welcome to the back Ryan Hickey Show. Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back into the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As always, the 10 o'clock Eastern hour is sponsored by LC Designs. Charcuterie boards are perfect for all occasions, so make sure your guests are happily fed with some delicious and aesthetically pleasing charcuterie boards made by Lauren Clark. So make sure you check out lcdesignsnyc.com. LCDesignsNYC.com for more information. Zion Williamson, in my mind, 
has already played the last game as a Pelican. At this point, with him rehabbing away from the team, I'd be shocked if we even see Zion in the Smoothie King Center again as a member of New Orleans. I don't see how this resolution gets solved that leaves Zion still in New Orleans, still playing for the Pelicans again. Because here's why. In the NBA, player empowerment has tipped the scales so much in the favor of the players that really, there's no working things out anymore. There's no talking things through. Like in the NFL, for example, NFL teams still hold the power. We've been talking about Aaron Rodgers now for the last year. Will he stay or will he go? We don't know if he actually formally requested a trade, but as we know, he was unhappy with the Packers. Well, guess what? He didn't really get what he wanted and still played for Green Bay last year. Russell Wilson publicly voiced his displeasure with the organization, had his agent leak out four teams he would accept a trade to last season, and wanted more say in decision-making. Guess what? He didn't get a trade. He didn't get more say. He really didn't impact his standing or his power within the organization at all. And he still stayed and played with the Seahawks last year. So quarterbacks have tried. The most important position in all the sports have tried to make power plays before in the NFL. And guess what? The NFL teams kind of laughed at him and said, eh, we're not going to do that. You're still going to play for us. And okay, the quarterbacks have a blush. We rarely... See players kind of get one over on the teams. The NBA is a lot different, right? The NBA, as soon as a player is disgruntled, as soon as he wants out, as soon as leaks are made to the public and to the media that, hey, this player is upset, what happens? Boom, he's traded. There's really no working things out. There's no Seahawks situation where they say, you're playing for us. Okay, fine. Russell Wilson, you're coming back. And he says, okay. Aaron Rodgers, you're upset. Well, okay, too bad. We're still going to have it our way and you're going to play for us. And him saying, okay. Once players are disgruntled, once they are upset, in the NBA world, they are traded. The players, if you will, have kind of been able to flip the parent-kid relationship, I guess we'll say. What's what we'll use. Right? How many times growing up, or if you're currently a parent right now, do you say, do this, whatever. Clean your room, go to your room, Take out the trash. Don't say that word. And then what, what do kids say? Why? Why should I do that? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? And the reasoning is always, at least with my parents saying, because I said so. Because I'm your parent, because I told you so. That's kind of what the NBA power structure is like for players. The players have now assumed the role of the parent. I want to trade. Well, the team like, well, why do you want to trade? Because uh, I want this. I don't like this. I don't like that. Do this. Trade me because I said so. Team's like, okay. There's no real working through. There's no talking things out, hashing out your differences, and, and coming together to an agreement or to a compromise. Players are frustrated. They went out. They say, I want to trade because I said so. And the teams are most likely acquiesce and trade said player. So this prevents, again... Things are being talked out. Things are being worked out. Which for me, when you look at the latest player to be upset with his team, Zion Williamson, I don't see in today's NBA, in today's climate, how things improve between Zion and the team. And with no improvement, he's a goner. I mean, look, the writing is already on the wall. He is in year three. That's it. 
And the writing is already on the wall to where this to me seems unsalvageable. Let's go back to even just a few months ago. The end of the regular season, June of 2021. What happened? Pelican season ends, a disappointment. They thought they were going to at least be a playing team. Couldn't even reach that. And there is an article by The Athletic citing sources that Zion's family is upset with the Pelicans. This is at the end of year two of Zion in New Orleans. There is already articles talking about Zion's family wants him out of New Orleans. They wanted Zion on another team. And even the Pelicans making some moves, let's say firing Stan Van Gundy after just one season. Players did not like him. He was, you know, he did not really connect well with them. He was fired. That still didn't change much. That still didn't really, you know, turn Zion's thinking of the organization around. In the article by The Athletic, again, part of the, the citation of why the fan was upset because they didn't feel like the Pelicans in just year two lived up to their expectations and treated Zion like the star he is, treated Zion like stars should be treated. Is that fair? I can't sit here and say yes. But this is how Zion's family feels. And this is how, again, players, when they feel like they aren't getting the, the proper treatment, are going to act. And this was just, again, after year two, where year number one, his rookie year, obviously we know he, he was, you know, coddled along, um, barely, you know, kind of incrementally moving along in terms of getting back on the court. And then the pandemic hit. So year one is almost kind of a wash with how little Zion was playing. Year two, he, he was for the most part healthy. But after that, boom, already reports that Zion's unhappy. So things you imagine under the surface already had to be so bad where his family's leaking his sources that Zion is unhappy and they want him off of New Orleans after just two years within the organization. And guess what? Since that article was posted in June, from June to February, things haven't gone better. The tide hasn't turned. Think about how this season started for New Orleans and Zion. You had at basically media day for the Pelicans before the season started in 2021. You had David Griffin come out and announce to the media Zion had foot surgery over the summer to repair a right foot fracture, but he should be set for open night, which was October 20th. So media day, okay, Zion had another surgery, but don't worry, all is well. He should still, he's still on track to play open night, October 20th. Do we look at the calendar? Do they know what today's date is? It's February 24th, 2022. Back in September, you had the president of basketball operations, David Griffin, say Zion Williamson will be set to go for the opening night game on October 20th. It is now February 4, uh, 24th, 2022. Zion has yet to appear in a game. Zion has yet to play one second on the court for the Pelicans. Not only has rehab been not going well for Zion and the team, he's not even, at this point, rehabbing with the team. Things have gotten so bad where he asked to rehab away from the Pelicans. That shows you where the trust is between Zion and the organization. Not only was the timeline either wrong, you know, David Griffin lied to us, or things haven't gone correctly, you now have Zion saying, I can't even trust the Pelicans medical staff enough to get me in position to play. So I'm going to go train on my own, my own people away from the team in Portland, Oregon. 
arguably the literally the furthest possible place you could be in the continental United States. That's where Zion decided to do his rehab. And you have David Griffin putting this statement out there when, when the news was made that Zion was going to rehab away from the team. David Griffin said to the media, quote, We also agreed that in order to put Zion in the best position to succeed, he will rehab away from the team at this time so he can focus on the task at hand. End quote. Basically saying, yeah, we agree with Zion. I think it's a good idea that he should go away from the team. In what world is a team agreeing to this and is a team saying to themselves, this is a good idea. We're going to have our star player rehab away from our site? For Zion Star, for how much he means to New Orleans, when Anthony Davis left, to you, for you to get the number one overall pick with one of the most hyped prospects in the history of the NBA. We knew about Zion Williamson when he was like in eighth grade. There was mixtape videos of him in high school throwing down dunks. He by far, maybe since LeBron James, was the most hyped high school player we have ever seen. For New Orleans to be able to land the number one overall pick and draft Zion Williamson, that is a massive deal. That's a literally a franchise-saving lucky bounce by the lottery ball. And now, you have your president of basketball operations agreeing and trying to put out this front that you're on the same page with Zion that you think it's a good idea for him to rehab away from the team. That should show you, again... Things have not gotten any better since the athletic article was put out in June that his family members want Zion out in New Orleans and, th- and want him to be on a different team. You now have an injury that's prevented Zion from getting on the court. You now have distrust between Zion and the medical staff, distrust between Zion and the team to where he has to rehab on his own in Portland, Oregon. That is extremely alarming. That is insanely alarming. You want to have eyes on him. Again, Zion is insanely important to the Pelicans' success and their future. I mean, you can make the argument. Zion is important to keep the Pelicans in New Orleans. That's how big of a a get this was. And that's how important his happiness with the team, you know, is to to the city and is to this organization. And you now have, or we're sitting here, I should say, to the point where you can't even have your star player trusting you enough to rehab on your own. That's not a decision you sign off on. That's not a decision you suggest. That is Zion saying, I don't trust you. I'm leaving, so put it, you know, and spin it however you want. And, and David Griffin trying to tell you that the Pelicans are on the same page. There's no shot in hell the Pelicans are on the same page as Zion. There's no shot in hell they advised him to rehab away from the team, to get medical attention, medical advice from someone outside of the organization. That is extremely alarming. Extremely alarming. But it gets worse. The divide for me only gets worse to where, again, I can't see how he is going to stay in New Orleans and play another game for this Pelicans organization. Because guess what? Despite his injury history, despite the fact that, right, you know, he was coddled along in year one, year three is yet to play a game for this organization. This is still supposed to be Zion Williamson's team. Again, I just told you about how important he is to the organization. He could possibly decide the future of the Pelicans if they are moved out of New Orleans or if they are kept there. He is the star. He is the name. He is the face of the team. He should be the guy everyone gravitates around. He's the leader. Whether he wants to be or not, he's the leader of this team. And it sure as hell appears like he does not want to be the leader of this team. Because guess what? 
His actions speak louder than words. When C.J. McCollum a few weeks ago was traded to the Pelicans, even though he's not playing, do you know who didn't reach out to him? Do you know who didn't say a word to him? Zion Williamson. You know why? Because to me, that says that's a player who thinks and knows in his heart of hearts he's never going to be playing with C.J. Even if he knew he's not returning this year, but he'll be back next year, with C.J.'s contract, if you're Zion, you got to think, okay, Maybe I won't play him this year, but I'll be playing with him next year. You know, I'll still reach out to him and say, hey, CJ, you know, excited to play with you. Whenever that is, you know, congrats on New Orleans. Welcome. I can't wait to, you know, meet you in person. Zion didn't do any of that. He was guilted eventually into texting CJ McCollum because CJ McCollum basically called him out on the NBA TNT All-Star pregame show when he said he hasn't heard from Zion. And everyone's like, what? What? You've been on the team for a few weeks. You haven't heard from Zion Williamson? He was guilted to eventually reaching out to C.J. McCollum. That tells me, again, that's someone in his heart of hearts who knows, in Zion, I'm never playing with C.J. We will never be on the same court together in New Orleans as teammates, so why bother reaching out? That's what I That's what I see it as. That's how I read it as. You only ignore a trade. You only ignore a player that's, you know, a significant piece, right? It's not like a G League player that was just called up or an a undirected fridge that makes a team. This is a guy in CJ McCollum who, again, is a very good player. He's not a star, but he's a very good player. He's going to essentially be your sidekick, if you will, when Zion returns. And to not reach out, not saying anything to me, speaks volumes to Zion and how he views the future of the Pelicans and how he views the future of him not in New Orleans. So we obviously heard J.J. Redick, you know, crush him, call him a detached teammate, and he's 100% right. Even if you're not there in person, you got to reach out. Him not reaching out to me says volumes. So all signs are pointing to Zion Williamson already playing his last game in New Orleans. And you know what? There's one move the Pelicans did this week that kind of shows you the Pelicans, I think, have already accepted this fate of this reality. This week, they sent out their, their memo for season ticket holders, their pitch the Pelicans made to re-up your tickets for 2023. Get your season tickets for next season. Renew right now. So how do you renew? Well, you sell hope, right? The Pelicans think this year are trying for a playing spot, um, but you want to at least sell hope and sell tickets next year by giving hope and reasons to watch the Pelicans next year. So usually, you include your best players. Here is who... The Pelicans put on their season ticket memo, and I want you to listen for the name I don't mention. They right away say, hey, head coach Willie Green's got this team in the right direction. We have guys like Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas, CJ McCollum. That's it. No Zion Williamson. Not one mention of the former number one overall pick. Not one mention of Zion as a reason to come to the Pelicans, uh, to come buy season tickets to watch the Pelicans, I should say, excuse me. If you are a prospective season ticket holder and you're being sold on next year, why should I buy expensive tickets for the Pelicans? Uh, reason number numbers one, two, and three should be Zion, Zion, Zion. Come watch the most hype prospect uh, we've ever seen. Come watch the guy at Duke that was throwing down thunderous dunks. Come watch the guy by the way, that when he's been on the court and healthy, has been a great player for us. He's been an all-star. He's averaging over 25 points per game. 
He has been a great player for New Orleans when he's been on the court. So you absolutely have to sell, uh, have to sell Zion to season ticket holders as a reason to renew for next year. And he was not mentioned once. Instead, come watch Jonas Valanciunas. Come watch the big man down low. Yeah, that's a reason I'm going to renew. That's going to get me, you know, digging into my bank account to give, you know, fork over thousands of dollars to watch the Pelicans in person next year. That's not an oversight. That's not bad marketing. That's the Pelicans knowing, oh boy, odds are Zion's not going to be here. We can't sell false hope. We're not going to tell you Zion's there and do the old bait and switch when he when he asks for a trade this offseason. I think the Pelicans know a trade request is coming. I think the Pelicans know Zion has already played the final game for them in New Orleans. So if you don't believe me, if you think I'm being too dramatic, let me ask you this. What signs are there that tell you Zion's going to return? What hope? What can you hold on to? What can you point to that says, oh yeah, Zion will be back? Maybe not play his whole career in New Orleans, but he'll be back for at least next year. He will at least play in a game again for the Pelicans. I don't see it. And if your your biggest argument against Zion leaving and already playing his last game is because he's too young to force a trade, don't be naive. Don't tell me he's too young. I don't care if he's only been in the league three years and he's only going to play two seasons actually on the court. He has leverage. Again, he was a star when he was drafted. Here's the number one overall pick. He has the other 29 teams in the NBA desperate to acquire him. He has leverage. He could sit out. He could absolutely force a trade just like we've seen James Harden do, just like we've seen Russell Westbrook do, just like we've seen Paul George do. He has leverage. Don't doubt it. The NBA has flipped the power structure. The players have the power. The teams now are forced to listen and acquiesce. There's really no you know, working things out. So I think Zion is a goner. We have seen him play his final game in New Orleans already. That's my opinion. How about you? You agree? Will we see Zion in a Pelicans uniform? Again, love to get your thoughts. Get your thoughts, I should say. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. At Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. Will we see the former number one overall pick back in a New Orleans uniform again at some point in his career? We'll get your thoughts when we return. And also when we return, there's something weird going on in San Francisco. Recency bias, I think, is playing a huge role right now in the 49ers decision of whether to keep Jimmy G or whether to go to Trey Lance. We'll discuss if Trey Lance is actually ready to play and assume the starting role when we return. You're listening to the Ryan Hickey Show right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Ryan Hickey, back with you here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 15 minutes or so from now, we will react to the report from Diana Rossini of ESPN that a Aaron Rodgers decision is coming you know, or is going to happen pretty quickly, and that there are multiple offers on the table from other teams to make a trade for Aaron Rodgers if he decides he wants a trade. And Brian Gutekunst spoke yesterday, had some interesting comments when it comes to the possibility of trading 
Aaron Rodgers will tell you what those are. Again, in 15 or so minutes from now. But I want to talk about another quarterback that I think has been a kind of a lightning rod as well this past year. And it is Trey Lance in San Francisco. This situation to me is very interesting because I think it highlights a larger scale of what's going on in society. Here's what I mean by that. Recency bias, as you know, has always been prevalent in life. There's no better example than, I'll tell you a quick story here, with my cousin Kieran. He is my one of my younger cousins. He is someone who loves burgers. Loves them. Cheeseburger, you know, regular hamburger, lettuce, tomato, onion, you know, the whole, the whole works. But he's funny because anytime we're out at a restaurant together, he always orders a burger. And we always ask him, Kieran, is this the best burger you've ever had? And it doesn't matter if he's at McDonald's, doesn't matter if he's at a five-star restaurant, a hole in the wall, he always says yes. The burger he's eating is always his favorite burger. So obviously you're in the moment, you want a burger, you're craving a burger, and you get one. So yeah, it is your favorite burger at the time. It doesn't matter if it's you know a two-cent hamburger or a $50 hamburger. Recency bias is always kind of around to where the latest thing is always the greatest in your mind because it's the one you can remember the most and the most vividly. We can't help it at times. We sometimes, knowingly or not, put extra value on the most recent things we see because it's the last thing burns in our mind. Whether it's a good play from a quarterback, a bad play, whether it's a great game from a team or an awful game from a team. We tend to remember the last thing we have seen uh, and we have heard about a player, a team, a friend even. Recency bias is all around us. But it's important though to recognize it, realize it, and not have it impact your decision making. And for Kyle Shanahan, for John Lynch, they cannot fall victim to recency bias this offseason because seemingly everyone around them Everyone within the 49ers organization, everyone within the 49ers sphere is starting to fall for recency bias. Lynch Janhan, they got to follow through and have Trey Lance be their starter in 2022. There's no excuse for anything else otherwise. You got to have Trey Lance be your starter in 2022. But right now, there's been a lot of push. There's been a lot of narratives out there that Jimmy G should return right on radio row. You had Joe Montana tell Kevin Clark of the ringer that he has heard that Trey Lance is not ready and that the 49ers should keep Jim McGraw. Hey, look how far he's gotten. I mean, he got to a Super Bowl and he got to AFC title game. Keep Jimmy G and let Trey Lance develop. Then you had a week later, Steve Young on KNBR advocate for Aaron Rodgers to be traded to the 49ers. Tom Brady to come out of retirement and force a trade to the 49ers. And he also questioned Trey Lance's readiness to play. And then yesterday, the story continues. Adam Schefter, a some a guy we would say is in the know, right? NFL insider for ESPN, someone who's always kind of has his ear to the ground. He was on Ari Myrov's NFL podcast, which if you don't know Ari Myrov, he is my sports update on Twitter, a tremendous follow for everything. NFL news related. Well, he had Adam Schefter on and they were talking about the possibility of a trade for Jimmy G's offseason. We all assume it's likely. Well, Adam Schefter basically said, not so fast. So there's Adam Schefter kind of pouring some cold water on the fact that Jimmy G is basically guaranteed to be traded this offseason. Look, I get it. 
I get Jimmy Garoppolo led the 49ers to the NFC title game. I get they had a 10-point lead over the Rams in the fourth quarter and were, what, 10 minutes of game time away from going to their second Super Bowl in three years. I get it. But let me ask you this question. Was Jimmy G the reason why they got there? Was Jimmy G the reason why the 49ers had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of the NFC title game? Yes. In certain games, he made some throws. In the Packers game, that final drive uh, that eventually led to the game-winning field goal, he made two nice throws to Debo Samuel and George Kittle to keep the drive going and eventually get them in field goal range to kick the game-winning field goal. The 49ers in that game scored zero offensive touchdowns. In the Cowboys wild card game, Jimmy G made some decent throws, but he also threw an awful ill-advised interception that almost changed the entire landscape of the game and almost sent the 49ers home in the first round of the playoffs. And in that Rams game, didn't exactly play well. So yes, I get it. Jimmy G now has been at the helm two or less three years when he's been healthy. The 49ers have either made the Super Bowl or at bare minimum made the NFC title game. I get it. But let's also call for what it is. Jimmy G was not the reason why in the first run the 49ers made the Super Bowl, and he wasn't the reason why in this latest run the 49ers were 10 minutes away from making a second Super Bowl in three years. Jimmy G, this past postseason, you know what he played like? He played like a quarterback that motivates a team to find an upgrade. He played like a quarterback that motivated San Francisco to trade three first-round picks in order to draft Trey Lance. So Jimmy G has not played any, you know, any great football. He's not been a he's not been a special quarterback. I'm a Jimmy G defender. I think he gets too much flack at times. I think he's clutcher than people want to give him credit for. With that said, though, there are limitations to Jimmy G's game. Let's call for what it is. In this postseason, he wasn't exactly going toe-to-toe with guys like Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, who were leading their team, and even Matthew Stafford, who was the main reason why the Rams won the Super Bowl. Jimmy G was not that guy. So you cannot, you know, have recency bias via the 49ers. Look, oh, well, you know, 2019 made the Super Bowl. 2021, we made the, uh, the NFC title game. Maybe we shouldn't be so fast to move off Jimmy G. That's what Joe Montana is telling you. That's what Steve Young is telling you. That's what, not that Adam Schefter is saying that's his opinion, but he's basically saying he's talked to people in the know that are saying it's not a lock. The 49ers trade Jimmy G. What are we doing here? Trey Lance is the guy. You got to follow through on your plan. You, if you're the 49ers, have to get out of your comfort zone. That is how you grow. That is how you grow as a team. That is how we all grow as professionals in whatever industry we want to get into. Sometimes you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You got to take a risk. You got to take a leap of faith if you want to get to whatever level that you're aspiring to get to in your respective field. And for the 49ers, that is moving off of a quarterback that, yes, has won and won consistently, but has not consistently been the reason why you win. He has been, Jimmy G that is, been, has been along for the ride more times than not. And guess what? Kyle Shanahan doesn't want a quarterback that's along for the ride. He wants a quarterback that is the reason why teams win, excuse me, and the reason why teams win Super Bowls. You get a quarterback that all of a sudden is more dynamic and makes Kyle Shanahan's job easier. It makes the offensive line's job easier. It makes the running games uh, uh, running game easier. Takes pressure off the wide receivers. It literally makes life for everyone easier. 
So if you're the 49ers, the way you do that, the path to that, is by playing Trey Lance. You can't all of a sudden now get cold feet about Trey Lance busting or Trey Lance getting off to a slow start. This team, the 49ers, are built to win right now. Yes, I get it. But sometimes you got to take a step back if you want to take a step forward. And you got to take a step back if you want to elevate yourself, your team. So 2022 could be a little bit of a, a learning curve and have some growing pains for Trey Lance. I, I don't, and I'm a Trey Lance, you know, I guess believer. I think he's going to be really good. I think he'll be the best quarterback out of the, what, five that were drafted this past year in the first round. With that said, though, I don't expect Trey Lance to mimic what Patrick Holmes did in his first year as a starter after sitting for a year and throwing for 50 touchdowns. And there's going to be a bigger learning curve for Trey Lance, and there's going to be some growing pains. But okay. Fine, so be it. You still have a team that in 2023 and 2024 is going to still be around to where you can compete to win a Super Bowl. So I'm not getting spooked, or all, I'm all of a sudden not getting worried about, oh, 2022 could be a step back. Oh my goodness gracious. Are we going to be Super Bowl contenders with Trey Lance in 2022? You got to ride it out and trust your gut that you know what you're doing. And I do think the 49ers have what it takes and have the right infrastructure in place to allow Trey Lance to be successful. And I'll say this. It's a small, simple size. I get it. But from what we've seen in Trey Lance, I think he has shown enough in 2021 to show you he can play and get ready to start in 2022. He made two starts last year. One in week five against the Cardinals. One in week 17 against the Texans. We have seen, I have seen at least, enough growth from start one to start two to have you feel comfortable that Trey Lance can be the guy next season. In that game against the Texans, completed almost 70% of his passes to where in the first start against Cardinals, barely above 50. Game two, 249 passing yards compared to game one, just 192. This is a big stat for me that's, that's very important that I think tells you and shows you the growth. First start against the Cardinals, he ran the ball 16 times. There's a lot of rushing attempts. And start number two, cut that in half, just eight. So that kind of shows you Kyle Shanahan felt more comfortable with Trey Lance because he's calling less running plays. And also, Trey Lance is feeling more comfortable than the offense, feeling more comfortable with his ability to throw the ball and read defenses because he is not tucking the ball and running as much. He's not looking at one read if it's not there, tucking and running. He was, you know, going through his progressions, looking at a second and third read, and again, standing in the pocket and playing comfortable football. So I think everything we have seen, the growth from start one against the Cardinals to start two against the Texans, gives you enough confidence, gives you enough to look forward to that he can be the guy for San Francisco moving forward. So trust your evaluation when scouting him and drafting him last year. Trust your coaching staff that Kyle Shannon can get the most out of Trey Lance and put him in a position to succeed. And don't get caught up in the final run from Jimmy G. Don't get caught up and look at that, oh man, two last three years went to the Super Bowl and went to the NFC title game with Jimmy G's a quarterback. Look at how you got there. Defense, running game, Debo Samuel, frankly, some luck. Don't look at Jimmy G as the reason why he got there. Don't look at the, you know, the, the end of uh, the season and say, you know what? We can't move off of a guy just because we're winning too much. Trey Lance is the guy. He's developing fine. Don't allow recency bias to creep in and affect your decision making. 
Don't all of a sudden now start to get cold feet and get spooked from moving off of Jimmy G because you made an NFC title game with he was, when he was your quarterback, when he was along for the ride. It's time to play Trey Lance. Have some conviction in your decision. And even if you take a step back in 2022, it's for the betterment of the team, for the betterment of the organization moving forward. So I think absolutely Trey Lance should be the starter next year. Do not bring back Jimmy Garoppolo. Do not all of a sudden start to fall in love with Jimmy Garoppolo because he made the NFC title game this year. Again, remember how he played in that playoff stretch. Remember why he drafted Trey Lance in the first place. There was never a doubt you could have playoff success with Jimmy G. It's how the team was winning games and was Jimmy the reason why most times the answer was no. Remember that. So I think absolutely the 49ers should be starting Trey Lance in 2022. It's not a doubt I'm trading Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason. But again, Adam Schefter tell, is telling you it's not a slam dunk he's traded. Steve Young is telling you, eh, I don't know about Trey Lance's readiness. I'm a little worried. And Joe Montana is telling you, keep Jimmy G. 49ers legends, NFL insiders now are saying basically there is some concern about Trey Lance. Are you concerned? Let's keep your thoughts. Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, at Ryan Hickey Show on Twitter as well. When we return to close out the show, again, we got some news about Aaron Rodgers and a possible timeline for decision. We'll tell you what that timeline is. And could Aaron Rodgers, if he decides to get traded, or if he decides he wants to trade, would the Packers even trade him? I'll tell you what Brian Gutekunst said to that uh, question yesterday when he spoke to the media. We'll do that when we return here. Listen to the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back Welcome to the Ryan Hickey Show. Right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wrapping up here on a Thursday morning on the Ryan Hickey Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Diana Rossini bringing some, a little more insight into the unknown future of Aaron Rodgers. We were told uh, once the season ended that a decision from Aaron Rodgers will come pretty quickly. And Diana Rossini at least gave us something to hold on to, something to look at. Because even on Tuesday when he spoke with Pat McAfee, Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers said you know, he hasn't made a decision yet. Well, Diana Rossini of ESPN is reporting that Aaron Rodgers will inform the Packers of his decision of his future soon. And that there are currently multiple teams with offers on the table to make a trade for Aaron Rodgers if he decides he does want a trade. Obviously, she notes at the end, that is if Green Bay Packers allow a trade to happen. That last part is important because Brian Gutekunst met with the media yesterday and he was asked the question, basically, if Aaron Rodgers decides that he wants a trade, would you trade him? I think we were all under the impression from last year that answer would be yes. Now, if you remember when Aaron Rodgers returned to the Packers in July and they made the announcement to the contract alterations where they shaved off one year of the contract to Aaron Rodgers instead of having his current deal end in 2023, last year they announced his deal was going to end in 2022. There was also reports out there that Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers both on the same page 
that Aaron Rodgers would reassess his future after the 2021 season and that if he wanted a trade from the Packers, the Packers would acquiesce and they would agree to trade him for the most part to the team he wanted to be traded to. So there was at least a gentleman's understanding from what we were told that the Packers would trade Aaron Rodgers most likely to the situation he wanted to get traded to if, in fact, Rodgers decided after 2021 he wanted out of Green Bay. Brian Gutekunst was asked yesterday about that if that kind of offer still stood, and he told Packers beat reporter that there was no agreement in place. No such agreement exists that they are going to trade Aaron Rodgers. That they would, not happily, but willingly trade Aaron Rodgers if Rodgers asked to be traded. I'm calling BS on that. If Rodgers does inform everyone that, you know what? I do want to trade from the Packers. I think the last few years will be beneficial for me if it's spent elsewhere. I think the Packers absolutely trade Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't benefit Green Bay to play hardball. Because I'll tell you this, the one thing Packers remember, the one thing Packer fans remember, is how the Brett Favre saga ended over a decade ago, 15 years ago. Brett Favre, obviously some of it by his own doing, retiring, unretiring, retire, uh, retiring, unretiring. But eventually, when the Packers basically said, sorry, you're not coming back with Aaron Rodgers, we're going to go with the young kid, uh, Brett Favre was upset. So not only did you lose the player in Brett Favre, right? he went to the Jets and then he went to the Vikings, you also had him kind of leaving the team upset and disgruntled, and that gave the fan base even more of a reason to be frustrated with the team. I don't think the Packers would go down that same route again. Even if there are some Packer fans that want Aaron Rodgers gone, that are ready to move on from the drama and ready to usher in the Jordan Love era, I don't think they want to see Aaron Rodgers going out the door kicking and screaming. If the Packers truly want to play hardball, where Aaron Rodgers says, I want to trade, and they say, we're not trading you under, you're under contract for the 2022 season, and you're gonna, it's going to stay that way? You're not going to get traded? I don't think it's going to sit very well with Rodgers, and I don't think it's going to sit very well with the fan base. I think, honestly, Aaron Rodgers would retire, would sit out for a year, and become a free agent in 2023 if the Packers said, we're not trading you and we're sticking by it. Now, I think that would cause even more drama and divide a fan base of the Packers even more because now you're holding one of your all-time great quarterbacks, you could argue the greatest quarterback in franchise history, holding him hostage. And that, to me, does the Packers no benefits and it does their fans no benefits. You just want to get it over with. So while Brian Gutekunst now, before a decision is made, it could say, oh, well, there's really no agreement. Yeah, there's no guarantee we'll trade him. If Aaron Rodgers asks for a trade, I absolutely think he's going to get that trade. You don't want to send off your all-time great quarterback pissed off again. The Packers you know, worked a long time to, to repair that relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, with, excuse me, with Brett Favre. You don't want to do that again with another legendary quarterback. Because again, also, you then start to develop a reputation. And maybe now you become less attractive for a quarterback either to go there in free agency or want to stay there for a long time and sign a long-term extension. So it behooves the Packers if Aaron Rodgers requests a trade to oblige. To say, okay, we're going to work with you to send you where you want to go. We're not going to send you to, you know, Minnesota, probably not Tampa Bay. I would assume somewhere in the AFC they'd feel more comfortable with. But it does the Packers no good to basically hold Aaron Rodgers, you know, under contract, not trade him, and kind of force his hand. 
I don't think it'll end well for them. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is headstrong enough to where he would retire. And I think he would enjoy the fact that he would be the center of attention almost every single day. Think about, you know, what he's doing now. The guys put Instagram posts of gratification in a in a time where everyone is on, you know, pins and needles waiting for an Aaron Rodgers' decision. He's kind of toying with the media. He's kind of toying with the fans and kind of toying with, you know, everyone paying attention to him. You think that's going to go away if Aaron Rodgers is sitting out the 2022 season? There's going to be questions every day of whether the Packers are eventually going to trade Rodgers, whether they trade him before the deadline, when Rodgers return. Every single day, there'd be speculation and drama surrounding the Packers about Aaron Rodgers' future. And so I don't think that does them any good. And I do think that that means that they will indeed, if Rodgers comes to the decision of wanting a trade, I think they would trade him. I think they should trade him. Hopefully we get an answer soon. I don't think, honestly, Rodgers has made up his mind yet. That's what I took away from the Pat McAfee interview on Tuesday. I know some people are saying he's playing coy. I'm not sold that he has his mind made up. I do think in large part, uh, he is waiting on the future of Devontae Adams. The The last day of franchise tag can be applied is March 8th. If the Packers apply the franchise tag to Devontae Adams, I think that would swing Aaron Rodgers' decision-making in a way towards the Packers for him to stay. If Devontae Adams is a free agent, if the Packers do not come to a long-term agreement or they don't franchise tag their star receiver and Devontae Adams is on the open market, he's not coming back to Green Bay. And I think that guarantees Rodgers is walking out the door with him as well. So a lot of questions about the Green Bay Packers, their future of the quarterback, the future of the wide receiver. I hope we get a decision at least by the franchise tag deadline of March 8th. Hopefully sooner than that. Again, Diana Rossini putting out a tweet about an hour and a half ago saying that Aaron Rodgers' future should be determined pretty quickly. And there are plenty of offers already lined up and on the table for an Aaron Rodgers trade if that's the path he decides to go down. I'm so sick with he's getting traded. I do think we have seen Aaron Rodgers, uh, the, the, we've seen his last game, I should say, in a Packers uniform. But we will wait for that decision to be made official, hopefully, through the next couple of days. So that will do it for this edition of the Ryan Hickey Show. We appreciate all of you tuned in on this Thursday. Again, praying for peace worldwide as uh, Ukraine is under attack. So we do hope and we do send our, our prayers and well wishes out to that country and for the rest of the world. That, you know, obviously world peace can be um, being back instilled sooner rather than later. This does not escalate, and this gets stopped, frankly, uh, sooner rather than later. So fingers crossed that happens. Um, But other than that, have a great weekend. Stay safe and stay sane. We'll talk to you on Monday right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It it, is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Ryan Hickey Show. 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 To the Ryan Hickey